0: Man, y'all go ahead and take a seat. Good morning, City Light. How we doing? Good morning. Happy, happy New Year. How many of y'all did not make it till midnight? See, there we go. All the parents said, oh no, that's a thing of the past. It's a thing of the past. Uh, my wife fell asleep at like 11.50. She was close. She was close. I only, was, I only made it. I don't know how many of y'all care about football, but there was a football game on uh, and there was a game-winning field goal kick at the exact same time as the ball dropped. Uh, and so it, it kept my attention. I hate those New Year's Eve shows. I can't stay up for that. But, but, they bring out all the worst music. I don't understand. I'm like, y'all ever watch those things? You're like, who are these people? Like, there's a bunch of famous people that are good. You could have paid to do this. Who are these people you have up here? I don't understand. So, uh, anyways, but I was up watching that, and uh, I made it to the end. So I'm, I'm very proud of myself, you know, with six kids. I don't think I've made it. I've made it to New Year's Eve uh, in a while. So, Uh, You should all be very proud of me, okay? I'm I'm your young energetic pastor, okay? So I'm ready to roll. And I stayed up so late, which means I'm really tired this morning, okay? So you should pray for me. Um, Listen, if you're new, please fill out the connect card on your seat. Uh, Maybe you're here just visiting. You're like, new year, new me, okay? You're gonna hit the gym, you're gonna hit the church, all right? Now, I know that you're hitting the gym will be over in a month, but I hope hitting the church is not, okay? This is More important for you uh, to get invested in what God is doing in your life. And so if you're curious about spiritual things or, you know, new year, new me, we're glad that you're here. Uh, We want to do anything we can to help you. So if you feel like that Connect card, we'd love to touch base with you just to see how you're doing in your life and to see how we can help and bless. Uh, Next week, we start our 21 days of prayer and fasting. So please, please, please join us for that from January 8th, 21 days after that. We will end it with Immerse, which is our all day of prayer and worship uh, on the 20, wait, what's the math, 8, 15, 22, 28th, okay, on the 28th of January 28th, so join us for that, um, this is very important, we'll talk about it more next week, but I want you to go ahead and begin getting your heart and your mind ready to really focus in on what God is going to say and do, to choose some things from which you can fast, we'll have a whole book, we'll have examples for you, all of that, but to just get your soul ready to take this time very seriously. And to take these 21 days very seriously with the Lord to let him speak to you in an amazing way. But before we get into that, I have uh, one sermon for you today to start the new year. It's a very encouraging sermon, and it's called this. 2023 is not about me. Not about me. Turn to your neighbor and say that. Say 2023, not about me. Not about me. Say it with passion. Not about me. Not about me. No, I really came to encourage you this morning, okay? 2023 is not about me now this is actually a really good perspective because here's basically the point of the message is this is that the irony is that I am more happy when life is less about me I am more happy when life is less about me so for those of you who you could also title this message "Okay, how to be happy in 2023 right that sounded kind of fluffy to me so I didn't do it but That's part of what the reality here is, how to be happy in 2023. I am more happy when life is less about me. And this is going to apply to all of us. So whether you're here, you're searching things out, you don't know the Lord, you're kind of learning Christianity, all these different things. Uh, This proves true in life. When we are less about ourselves, all of a sudden we are more free, not less. When we think about others more, all of a sudden we have more personal happiness, not less. But when we try to grab and grab for ourselves, we end up diminishing ourselves. You guys know this experience in real life. When the Bible says it is better to give than to receive. And we all know this in experience in real life. That I am much more free and I enjoy things more when I am able to give and bless than when I am on the receiving end. And this is things that kids grow out, that we should grow in in maturity. Right, So kids are naturally self-centered to say, life is better when you're about me. And as they grow in understanding and maturity, they realize it's the flip, it's the reverse, that life is actually better when I am about others, and particularly about God. And so I want you to see that this morning. So for those of you who might be interested in Christianity, pursuing, you know, new me, 2023, you're trying to figure these things out, I want to give you this perspective of there's a way to be happy that maybe you haven't considered yet, and it's the opposite of what you've been thinking your whole life. And for those of you who do know the Lord, to say this is the way God has called us to live, it is both an encouragement and a challenge to make 2023 not about me. So I have one simple verse for you this morning. Go ahead and open your Bible to Galatians chapter 2. All right. Y'all ready? Y'all ready to go? We're going to read from verse 20, and that's it. I have been meditating on this verse for a few weeks now, so going to catch all that I've, you know, been boiling in okay over the last few weeks. Here's the message from the word of God. He says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, there's a lot in there. You could do a whole year's worth of messages off of this. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. We're basically just going to walk through this verse piece by piece. So the first point for you this morning is this. I have three simple points as we walk through the verse. Don't bring old ways into the new year. Don't bring old ways into the new year. The Lord is very gracious to us to give us seasons because part of what that does is give us the opportunity to reset. The Lord is very kind to us in that we would even have things like this that even though all the days go together in our life, There are seasons in our life that bring new things, and they give us a chance to reset our perspective, and it would be a complete waste for you to not take the opportunity now in January 1 to reset some of your life. Don't bring old ways into the new year. This first part of the verse says this, I have been crucified with Christ. I have been, not will be, I have been crucified with Christ with Christ. And in case you weren't sure, when people get crucified, they're dead. They're dead. Crucifixion kills, okay? That's it. There's no like coming back. Uh, so Jesus came back, and praise the Lord. There's no there's no not dying when you get crucified, okay? So he's saying, "I have been murdered, I have been dead, I have been not alive, I have been crucified with Christ. I am dead, but it's precisely the point that you have that actually lets you live. The irony of your life is you can't live your life until you have been crucified with Christ. Your life doesn't begin until you die. This is how it works, and this is why it's the opposite of how many of you think you ought to live your life. You are trying to go get your life, and the reality is it works the opposite way that you first have to release your life. And you've never started living until you've first been crucified with Christ. So let me tell you that this morning, especially for those of you who are without Christ, that your life, your real life, has yet to even begin. You have not started living until you have died. I have been crucified with Christ. Now, I want, I want you to see the good news that you say, oh, that sounds hard. Okay, of course, yeah. There's many hard and challenging things about it, but... How many of you have, you know, have you read stories? This happens on the, the movies all the time, some random shows you'd be watching, okay? People fake their deaths, all right? So uh, sometimes pastors go down random Google searches, all right, when you have an idea in your mind. And it was, it's an interesting thing to Google, people faking their deaths, okay? You just get lots of different stories. I mean, there were stories after stories like, wow, this is, a, this is a, like a thing people do fairly consistently, actually. You know, there's, there's enough stories to create many, many Google searches on this. Okay, why does someone fake their death? So they can stay pretending to be dead? No, why? they fake their death because once they've died, there's a new life they can now live. And you can't live your new life until you first died. How many things, stories did I read that people fake their death just to receive the life insurance payouts that they couldn't get unless they were dead, you know? People fake their death to avoid going to prison so they can live on the beach somewhere, you know, sipping their things. So People fake their death not so that they can stay dead, but so that they can live a new life. You cannot get the insurance payouts until you're dead. You cannot escape the police until they think that you're dead. You cannot live the new life until you have first died. You fake your death so that you can live. And how much more is this true spiritually that we have not yet lived until we have died? And what I want to encourage you with this morning is the possibilities beyond your death. Nobody fakes their death so their life gets worse. They fake their death because there are possibilities to pursue. Because there's more to be done. Because they want money and freedom. And now how much more so is this true of us spiritually? That when we die with Christ, new possibilities of life open up to us that did not exist before and it is our death with Christ that actually frees us to live the life we had always been made to live, which we cannot live until we have died with Christ. Now, what in the world does it mean to be crucified with Christ? It does not mean that you have to go get on a wooden cross. Christ did that for you. We're going to see throughout this passage that joining with Christ and as we see in the end, is simply putting my faith in what he has done so that it is counted as done for me. So that when I put my trust, my faith, when I lean, when I put the weight of my balance on the Lord and I say I trust, I trust fall on God, I say I rely completely on you and no longer on myself, then the Bible counts it as done for me. So, If Christ has been crucified, which he has, and I now put my faith in Christ, I am joining in his crucifixion. As he has died, so have I. And as we will see, as he has risen again, so will I. I am now one with Christ in every possible sense of the word when I put my faith in him. So his death counts for me and his life counts for me. And that's what the passage is going to unfold. Now, like I said before, dying actually opens the door to new possibilities. Don't bring your old dead ways into the new life you have in the new year. Don't do that. Live according to the new possibilities. When we die to ourselves and when we have been crucified with Christ, some some practical things happen. You say, now I am dead to needing man's approval and I can live in the approval God has already given me in Christ. I am certainly dead to my sin, and the Lord challenges me to live in holiness, but I'm also dead to all the things I needed before. I am dead to the fleeting temptation of sin and being just like the world, needing money, power, and sex to make me feel better about my life. I am dead to those things, and I am alive to real life in Christ, in purity and holiness. I am dead to needing your approval or someone else's approval. I am alive to the approval of Christ. I am dead to my own wisdom, and I am alive to the wisdom of God. I am dead to my uncertainties about the future, and I now live in the promises of God. What I have died to is actually of benefit to me because I lost something worse and I got something better. But some of you, although dead and crucified in Christ, are still living according to the old man. You have, Christ has crucified the need for man's approval, but every day you wake up trying to get more of it. Christ has crucified the need for getting happiness through the temptations of sin, but yet every day we still pursue these things. Christ has crucified the need for control because we can trust his promises, and yet every day we're living as if we must control our own circumstances. Don't bring old ways into the new year. The fact that you have died with Christ is actually the doorway to new possibilities in your life. The second thing. So don't bring old ways into your new year. <clears throat> the second thing is this. Let go to get something better. Okay, this is just the same principle just going to build on itself a little bit more. This is the part I've really been meditating on in my life. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It is no longer I who live. That's where we get this phrase. 2023 is not about me. If you even meditated on that for a second to think it is no longer I who live. What does that mean for me? Well, a couple things. It is no longer my ambitions and dreams and desires that drive my life. It is no longer I who live. I do not make the decisions about my life. I do not live my life according to my desires. I am dead. I do not live my life according to my goals. I am dead. I do not live my life according to my ambitions. I am dead. I do not live my life according to my priorities. I am dead. It is no longer I who live meaning that when I have trusted in Christ, I have released the control of my life. It is no longer I who live. And to live for my ambitions is to neglect this reality, right? To live for my goals, to live for my desires, to live for my priorities, to live for my preferences, is to not follow Christ. It is no longer I who live So this reality now that my death with Christ has freed me, right, like the fake death, it has opened up a new realm of possibilities, but it has also challenged me to live in a way that is counterintuitive to my flesh. Because I am dead with Christ, now get this point, it's very important, because I am dead with Christ, I am only alive in relationship to Christ, meaning that I can only experience life in my relationship to Christ Because I've been crucified to the old self. And so the most miserable people in the world are the ones who have died with Christ and are still trying to live according to the flesh. You're miserable. Why? Well, because you died to the old way, but you're not living in the new way. You're miserable because the only life you now have is in Christ, but you're not pursuing life in Christ. And the old way has died, but you're still trying to get joy out of old pleasures. You're still trying to find purpose out of old past. You're still trying to find wisdom out of old understandings. And you're so frustrated because you cannot thrive according to the old man. You are only alive in relationship to Christ. Therefore, the the ceiling of your life is your relationship with Christ. The ceiling of your joy is how much joy are you getting in Christ. The ceiling of your purpose is how much purpose am I getting in Christ. The ceiling of your peace is how much peace am I getting in Christ. I am only alive. The only thing that lives in me is Christ. And so if my relationship with Christ is not flourishing, then I am not flourishing. You see, part of what you chose when you said, I am choosing to put my faith in Christ, is you have totally, totally killed the old man. And now, by God's grace, you're not even allowed to get the type of superficial pleasure that would come from that because you are immediately faced with the work of the Holy Spirit and different things going on in your life. And let me tell you something, if you can continually sin without being bothered in your conscience, then you are more than likely not crucified with Christ. If it's possible for you to practice sinning without feeling conviction over a period of time, then it is likely you have never died to the old man. Because what happens is, because I am dead to the old man, I can't live in the old man. It doesn't make sense. He's dead. So when I try to live in the old man, it doesn't work. And it bothers me. And the Holy Spirit works in my life and in my conscience. And he begins to clean and purify me and make me more like Jesus. And this process happens every day until I go and be home with the Lord. But if you are comfortable living in the old man, then it might very well be that you never crucified the old man. And if the old man's not dead, then you don't have faith. And if you don't have faith, you don't have salvation in Jesus. But if it's true for you that the old man has died, then the most frustrating way you can try to live is in the old man. How frustrating would it be to live in a dead man's body? It's not going to work you in Christ are only alive in your relationship to Christ which means that your life only flourishes to the extent that your relationship with Christ flourishes which is why everything in your life can be going well but you experience a personal hell because your life with Christ is not going well why is it that everything in my life can be going well But my life, my internal life is completely falling apart. Why? Because my real life, which is not found in the money I make and the success I have at work and the networks I have in life and the health of my body, that's not my real life. My real life is only, let me, this is not an exaggeration, only in connection to Jesus, which is why those godly saints can suffer well because they know their real life is connected to Christ. So we suffer well because our body is not our real life it's the way our life is going the success and the money and the health those aren't our real life those are wonderful when god blesses us with good things praise the lord we're not trying to suffer on purpose but When we realize that our life is truly only a life connected to Christ, then we can suffer well and still thrive. And the flip side is true as well, that if we don't live according to this principle, our life can go well on the outside and we can be dying on the inside. Why? Because the only life you now have is in relationship to Christ. That's it. So you see what I'm saying? Now now this opens up to the practical way you live your life, the habits and rhythms. Are you giving time to the Lord? If you're... We said this with Haggai, right? You neglect God to the neglect of yourself. So if you're not setting aside time with the Lord, and if you're not prioritizing his presence, if you're not meditating on the scriptures, you're just neglecting your own well-being. You already said my life is hidden with Christ. I'm putting all my faith in Christ. He's my all in all. He's everything I got. He's 100% for me. And then you say that, and then if you don't live by it, you're going to live with this constant tension because your life is only found in Christ. But if you neglect your life in Christ, then you neglect your well-being altogether. So the reality is I have to let go to get something better. I have to let go of my old life to get something better, which is the life in Christ. Now, here's the encouraging part about this is, at first, it may sound like a loss. And especially to those of you who may be, you know, curious about Christianity, you're listening in, you're watching online or whatever, you're saying, man, this sounds like a loss, and I, I get it that, you know, okay, heaven's long, so I have to lose stuff on earth so that I can gain heaven. Great. Okay, that's a good, that is a good deal, 100%. But there's actually something more at play that's more enticing to us, Because every time God says something about what we should lose, it is always in connection to what he wants us to gain. God never puts something on us to lose without connecting it to something to gain. You know? I don't know if you remember this part when Peter's like, man, we've left everything to follow you. Everything. And he's like, man, nobody will leave house or children or farms or whatever. Without receiving 30, 60, 90 times over, like, God will never be outgiven. The, the idea that I can sacrifice for God is wild because it's not true, because whatever I let go, God returns a hundredfold. And I experienced maybe some of that on Earth by His grace, but I will certainly experience that maximally in heaven, whenever, whenever the Bible talks about laying down our life, or surrendering our life, or being crucified with Christ, or there's no longer I who live, and there's a setting aside of self. It's so that you can receive something better. Let me, let me give you uh, some different ways to think about this phrase. So here's the phrase, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. So I give up my life to accept Christ's life. You say, well, that sounds like a sacrifice. Well, let me give you some other ways to think about this. Okay, what if I said, I no longer golf, but Tiger Woods golfs for me? <laughs> yeah, well, that's a pretty good exchange. You say, I no longer shoot, but Steph Curry shoots threes for me. You know? I no longer sing, but Adele sings for me, you know. I no longer do my homework, but my teacher does it for me. You say, nobody would say, oh, man, shucks, you know. I'm sorry you had to lose that, you know. I'm sorry that you couldn't do your homework and your teacher did it for you. That's a real buzzkill. Now I'm sorry that you lost your shooting ability and had to take Steph Curry's shooting ability. That's a real bummer, you know. I'm sorry that you lost your singing voice and had to get Adele's voice. You know, you can never sing in the band here. You know, that, that's not going to work. Oh, no, of course. What, what are you saying? You're saying, well, that's, a, that's an upgrade, you know. That's the upgrade meme, okay. Everybody understand. you say this is me, and then here's the upgrade meme. And here's what it's saying. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's not a sacrifice. It's not a loss. What are you talking about? I no longer live according to my wisdom, but God's wisdom lives in me. That doesn't sound like a sacrifice to me. I no longer live with my joy, but God's infinite, eternal, untouchable joy lives in me. That doesn't sound like a sacrifice to me. I no longer live according to my understanding, but God's infinite understanding lives in me. I no longer live according to my power, but God's unstoppable authority lives in me. This does not sound like a loss. This sounds like an upgrade. And the devil has tricked so many of you into thinking what you give up for Christ is a downgrade. When God wants to show you the opposite, that anything you let go, God will return something better. It may not be in the form that you think, because as soon as we let something go, he might return some more suffering. But that actually, when you're thinking biblically, gets better because it forms us into Christ's image, which is what we signed up for, may I remind you. When we became a Christian, we didn't sign up for temporal blessings and a life that goes well on earth. We signed up because we wanted more of Jesus. We wanted to become more like Jesus. That's all we wanted. And the Lord often uses difficult things to do that. But when we say this, 2023 is not about me. The biblical way to understand it is it's actually an upgrade. And if you lose and let go of your hold on some of these things in your life, and you release it to the Lord, what you lose is nothing in comparison to what you gain. I once heard this interview with Tom Brady, all right? And I know some of you don't like Tom Brady. Don't worry about that, okay? That's not the point of the interview, okay? They interviewed Tom Brady, and they asked him this question. They said, do you ever miss the things you gave up so you can be so good? So like bad food, late night parties, all the life. You know, you got all this money, you got all this fame. He doesn't really live according to those things. He just works, you know, all the time. He says, do you ever miss giving up the parties, the food, all these things so that you can be so good? And his response was this. Not really, because I know what I'm getting on the other end. So what he, what he already understood from a worldly perspective, what's true one million times more in Christianity and in the kingdom is that what he lost, right, eating chocolate, hanging out, partying late at night, what he lost, he realized he gained 100 times more in being as successful as he's been. So he said the trade-off's pretty good, that I'll, I will lose bad food and late night parties so I can be the most successful football player of all time. So that's a pretty good trail. You say, well, you actually didn't lose very much. I think you gained a lot. That was a pretty good deal. Well, this is exactly what the Lord lays out for you in 2023 and your whole life. It's say, listen, what you give back to me, what you lose in these little sins you're holding on to, or the control of your life that you want, or still trying to live according to your ambitions, your dreams, is so hard to let go of my ways and to take up God's ways. And the devil comes in and says, yeah, it's so hard. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And the scripture constantly reorients you, which is why you need it every day. You need your mindset to be reoriented to say, what I lose, I gain a hundredfold in Jesus God will return to me way more than I gave to him and at the end of your life you will look back and think man I never ever made a sacrifice never because I can't outgive God so let go this is the year of letting go why so that you can just be a better Christian because Christians surrender and they don't live according to themselves they don't think about themselves no no Let go because in God's economy, in the kingdom of God, it frees you up to receive the better things God wants to give you, which is namely himself. So that's the second thing. Let go to get something better. Upgrade your life. It is no longer I who live. With my minuscule wisdom, with my minuscule strength, with all that, it is Christ who lives in me. The third thing and final thing as we close is to focus your faith. Focus your faith. Look what he says here. In the life I now live in the flesh... This is very important phrasing, I live by faith in the Son of God. So the life I now live in the flesh, meaning that as I'm still alive on this earth, I still live in the flesh. And the flesh, according to the scripture, is part of what binds me. It's part of what causes me trouble is that the the devil and my flesh and the world, these are the three enemies of your soul, to say I still live in my flesh with its fleshly desires. I still live and I still have to battle with my fleshly wants, with my fleshly desires, with my goals, my ambitions, right? When I become a Christian, these things don't just disappear. And as I grow in Christ, they don't just disappear. Hopefully they grow, and hopefully they get less, and I grow in maturity in Jesus. But as I live in the flesh, that's going to be true in my life. I'm going to be battling these things until I finally meet God face to face. As I live in the flesh, though, here's a phrase, I live by faith. So in the flesh, but by faith. And here's the thing: some of you are living in the flesh and by the flesh, and that's the equation for your destruction. You're living in the flesh and by the flesh. I mean, this is the this is the 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 this is the, the way the world works. This is what the world says. This is what everything the world is talking about is this: living in the flesh and by the flesh. Living in my body and according to the feelings of my body. Living in my mind and according to the thoughts of my mind. Living in, in my flesh, in this person, and according to what I think and feel. Right. This is what the world is constantly training you to do 24-7. Is to live in the flesh and by the flesh. Meaning that you are your own God. And what you think about your life and feelings are determinative. That there's no other way it could possibly be. If you feel strong enough, then it must be true. And obviously this leads to complete and utter destruction all around us. Which You can see, and it's blatantly obvious, and it doesn't take a Christian to notice this or understand this. This equation does not work. I cannot live in the flesh and by the flesh and flourish. I can't do it. It doesn't work. Because my flesh is foolish, and it makes bad decisions, and it wants the wrong things. So if I'm going to live in the flesh, I have to live by faith. Now, the second mistake we make is to, so first, you live in the flesh and by the flesh, and this causes your life to fall apart. The second thing is we live in the flesh and by faith, but the faith is not in the Son of God. I live in the flesh and I live by faith, i.e. trust in something else, but the faith might be myself, the faith might be the news that I follow, the faith might be this group of people in the world that say and live live certain things. I, I can live in the flesh and by faith, but if I put my faith in the wrong place, it will be just as destructive as living in the flesh and by the flesh. And let me tell you something, just to be honest with all of us, and myself included, that. If I'm not spending time in the word of God, then I am not living by faith in God. Because this is where he speaks to me. So I can say I'm living by faith as a principle of life, but if I'm not actually receiving what God has to say to me, I'm just living in the flesh. And I've fooled myself. Because this is where, how do I live by faith? Well, it isn't just like a a thing I agree to do, it's a practice I have to live out every day. That I have to be committed to prayer at time in the word to the people of God to the service of God's kingdom These are ways I flesh out my faith So I live in the flesh by the flesh This will destroy your life in the flesh by faith in something else that will also cause problems in your life Finally, the thing is I live in the flesh by faith faith where in the son of God And so as we close today, you should ask this question. Why would I put my faith in the son of God? Why that? Why not put my faith in the world? Why not put my faith in myself? Why not put my faith somewhere else? And for some of you, this might be a real question as you're seeking out Christianity. But for some of you, you might assume the answer and need to think more hard about it as to why this is true. Why do I put my faith? Why do I trust God's way? So when God says, don't do that, that's going to be harmful for you. Why do I put my faith in that and trust it? So it's not just to you Christians say, oh, I put my, why do I put my faith in God? Well, because he died for me. Of course. Well, why do I put my faith in what he says every single minute of the day? Why do I trust God with his way, not my way? Why do I choose to do things that are counterintuitive to what I want in this moment? Why would I do that? Why would I follow God's way when it's counterintuitive to what I want? Why would I follow? Why would I listen to him? Why would I put my faith in him in every aspect of my life? Why would I allow him to lead and have the say-so with everything I do, say, and think? Why would I give him that kind of authority in my life? Why would I do that? Well... Because of this, it says here, because he loved me and gave himself for me. That's why. Listen to me. If Jesus loved you so much that he died for you, then he obviously loves you enough to have your best interest in mind at all times, right? Jesus is the only one who has proven his love for you to this extent. He's the only one. There is no other living being that has proven their love to you to the extent that Jesus has. And there is no other living being that has the ability to bring about your best interest to the extent that Jesus has. And so why would you put your faith in the Son of God? Well, because nobody has proven to love you like Jesus. And why would you put your faith in the Son of God? Because no one has the ability to get your best interest than Jesus. So why not put your faith in the Son of God? This is what we see in the scriptures, is that Jesus died and rose again. And he says, if anybody would believe in me, that person would have eternal life. We put our faith in Jesus and we receive eternal life. And for some of you, that's what you need to do today. It's the very first thing. Your life has not started until you have first died. And that's what the Lord wants to do today, that you would be crucified with Christ so that you can rise again by putting your faith in him. And for many of us who know the Lord, it's a call to live in this type of faith every day, to focus our faith every day, and to remind ourselves that nobody loves me like Jesus, nobody's proven it like Jesus, and nobody has the power to bring about my best interests like Jesus, and so why would I not listen to what he says? If I neglect God, I will neglect myself. So the key for 2023 is to make it not about me, because the irony is I am more happy when life is less about me and more about Jesus. Let's pray, and let's respond to the Lord. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. I pray now, Lord, that you would work in our hearts, God, that you would just give us eyes to see this, Lord. We're, we're so fooled sometimes. We're so tired, maybe. or we're, we're so groggy. We're so blurred in our vision that we don't see how much better things are with you. That there's no such thing as a loss in following you. There's no such thing, Lord, that you return to us, Lord, that gaining Christ is better than anything else we could lose. And I just pray that you would firmly convince us of that and that this year we would live according to that truth more than ever, that it would be true of us that it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, that you would allow us the grace that we would not live by the flesh, but that we would live by faith. And I pray, Lord, for every person in this room or watching online, Lord, that has yet to be crucified with Christ. I pray that they would take you on your invitation to find new life in you by joining you in the death that you died for them. We love you, Lord, now. We respond to you it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand that response with